Hey y'all, welcome back to a Wednesday, July 27th, 2022 edition here on the Chase the Most Podcast. Thank you again for making the Chase the Most Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you check out the Chase the Most Podcast here at Blue Wire Pods. We greatly appreciate it. We got a three-parter jam-packed show for you guys today. We start things off with BaltimoreBaseball.com's Rich DeBroff to talk all things Baltimore Orioles who are 500. We're nearing August and this team is almost 500 it's pretty right at 500 it's unbelievable what is happening uh, with the orioles this year so we talk about their young guys what they'll do at the deadline mancini um we talk about adley rutschman um why the bullpen's been so good the great defense uh in baltimore um just all kinds of fun and all kinds of reasons for optimism uh in baltimore at camden Yards. so kick things off there uh, three-parter on today's show. John Taylor on all things Major League Baseball um, of Fangraphs.com coming up in part two. and part three, to wrap, Tom Westerholm, old friend Tom Westerholm of the Boston Globe now, formerly of Mass Live, now Boston Globe as a sports writer, uh, focusing on the Seas and Red Sox. But we talk a lot of Celtics and Kevin Durant trade and all that good stuff. So jam-packed show for you guys today. Three-parter here on the Chase Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, go check out all of our other great programs all across Blue Wire. Uh, we got Long Shot with uh, Duncan Robinson. We've got uh, Greenlight with Chris Long, Spencers with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins. All kinds of great shows all across Blue Wire. So check those out today. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. You can watch all these programs on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe. All that good stuff there. Um, email the program at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, part one. Let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Tuesday afternoon. Rich DeBroff is here of BaltimoreBaseball.com, a very good Baltimore Orioles uh, website that you should go check out if you are not already doing so. It's We're right here, the Orioles 500 Baseball uh, just a really, really fun time if you're an Orioles fan. Um, so make sure, even if you're not an Orioles guy, whoever, guy, gal, whatever, you go check out BaltimoreBaseball.com because it's one of the best independent baseball coverage sites on the internet. Rich, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm great, Chase. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just read your piece on uh, the four-run fifth uh, for the O's to get them back to 500. Um, it's pretty wild now, right? Like the Orioles are 500. I don't... Even just the biggest Baltimore optimist uh, probably would not have seen this coming at uh, we're nearing August now and they're playing 500 baseball. No, they wouldn't. You know, I uh, I, I thought that realistically they were going to lose just under 100 games and that if things went really, really well, they could lose only 90. So uh, the the idea that they would be 500 you know, 96 games into the season would be uh, is unfathomable to me. But, you know, it's been a very, very enjoyable season to cover. Uh, the, the story is so interesting. The players are interesting. Uh, and it, it's so unexpected. Who's the most integral part of this team? Who, who do you think it is? Well, I think that there's, there are a lot of important players on – you know, on any championship team, on any good team, mm-hmm. there's not just one. There's not just one good player. 
I think the, the defense has been so much better than it was last year. The bullpen has been incredible, so much better than it was last year. Starting pitching has been better. And adding Adley Rutschman behind the plate has really helped the, uh, the team immeasurably uh, and, and has helped, you know, not only offensively, but especially defensively. And he's helped, you know, he's helped the pitchers out. So that's been, uh, th- that's been a huge uh, difference for him. So when you cite the defense in the bullpen, in terms of the defense, what did they make hiring changes this offseason to kind of beef up the defense? What what would you lend uh, the improvement there to? Well, uh, Jorge Mateo, who they picked up on waivers mm-hmm. last August uh, and played only a little bit for them last year before he suffered a, a back injury in September, has been the regular shortstop, and he has been he has been excellent. You know, balls that were getting up. Uh, getting through the middle last year aren't. I mean, he's been, you know, he's been really good. Uh, the outfield defense has been excellent and Rutschman. So, you know, when the old saying, you know, when you're strong up the middle, uh, that makes for a good defense. Well, you know, having Cedric Mullins in center field, having Mateo at shortstop, having Rutschman behind the plate, that's uh, that's been excellent for them. That's fascinating. Um, with the bullpen, though, uh, what who who stood out for you the most? Who did you have before the year that you were like, okay, if things go right, these guys should be okay? Like, what what about when you look at the bullpen and what the production has been and how good they've been? Who who have stood out and who were you surprised by? Well, I'm surprised by a lot. I'm a su- surprised by a lot of them because they have a lot of uh, players who were acquired by waivers, you know, mm. claimed off waivers who never had much success in the big leagues or much uh, experience in the big leagues at all. Guys that most casual fans haven't heard of, like, you know, Brian Baker and Joey Crable. Uh, And they have, you know, Jorge Lopez has been, of course, their their all-star, who's been just superb. And he was acquired on waivers. But the biggest key to the bullpen has been Lopez because he didn't have – success as a starter and they decided late last year to, to try him in the bullpen and then they tried him this year as the uh you know as the stopper as the uh you know as their ninth inning guy and he has been one he's been wonderful and i think he's the most valuable player on the team right now that's fascinating so it sounds like elias deserves a lot of credit uh, for what's happened here. Um, the waiver pickups, Mateo, um, just how he's built this team. Do you think uh, he he's getting enough credit for just kind of the team that he's built and put together for this year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that people recognize that the rebuild, which was very, very painful. I mean, it was very mm-hmm. painful to watch uh, for, you know, for three years. Uh, has, uh, you know, has proven not uh, proven to be worth it for mm-hmm. this year and hopefully for Oriole fans they will continue to to play well you know things don't always go you know as he likes to say in a, in a linear fashion you know because most people thought well gee the first year they lost 108 maybe they'd be a little better the second year and of course we had the pandemic shortened season but last year they had a worse record than they did even in in 2019 and to go from 110 losses to maybe a 500 team is, uh, you know, is pretty incredible. I mean, that means that 
they could be 30 games better than they were last year. And that would be, uh, you know, that, that would, that would be great, but you can't expect that to happen next year because, um, you know, baseball's full of surprises. That's that's why, that's why we watch sports. We watch sports because, you know, it's unpredictable. You know, if we knew what was going to happen, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't watch, but that's what, you know, that's, what's been so enjoyable was that has been that it's so unexpected and, you know, who knows if it continues next year. I mean, they're, they're building a good base with a lot of good young players. They have some more good young players in the high minors uh, that they've, uh, you know, that they've been cultivating and they should, uh, you know, they should be good and better next year. So, but they should. And then, but you never know what's going to happen, obviously. Do you have a good feel, like me being a Braves guy, you have a pretty good, I have a pretty good feel for how Snicker uses the bullpen and how he's going to go about things on a day-to-day basis. Do you have a pretty good feel for how Hyde uses his bullpen? Do you think he deserves a lot of credit for just being able to uh, push the right buttons? Well, sure. He he certainly, you know, certainly does. I, I know what he's going to do. I know now pretty much, yeah, who he's going to put in. He's mm-hmm. going to put in maybe Dylan, you know, Maybe Dylan Tate and CNL Perez and Felix Batista, who's another player who came out of nowhere, and and Lopez uh, in the uh, you know in, in the late in the late innings. Uh, but what he, he gets the most credit for is saying, staying strong during those difficult years. You know, I've seen a lot of managers who were traumatized by a hundred loss season or. 200 lost seasons, but he stayed, you know, he stayed strong and, and created a, a positive attitude around the team. And, and that's, you know, that that's so important, you know, because we always hear in sports about, you know, team chemistry and clubhouse chemistry. And there is a lot to that. And Brian Snicker, as you alluded to, I mean, Snicker has gotten very, very high marks uh, around baseball for his, uh, you know, for his leadership. And I think it, it, Hyde is sort of the same. I mean, they're both got, I mean, Snicker's a lot older and mm-hmm. Snicker had been around, you know, the major leagues before as, as a coach and he's been a minor league manager, but he never played in the big leagues, but he knows, you know, he knows players. The same thing with Hyde. Hyde never played in the, you know, in the big leagues, but he understands how good or how not good his players are and how to get the best out of them. So that's, I think, you know, I think that a manager now is sort of fans sort of overrate how important the strategy is and they don't know how important, you know, the intangibles are, the, the keeping the clubhouse together because they're not there. Mm. But how close were they to moving on from him? Because I mean, he gets the fourth year I mean, a lot of managers like he was there a chance, a real chance that he wasn't going to be able to see this thing through. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think, you know, the conventional wisdom chase was when he was hired was that he was a placeholder manager. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, he's just going to be here until, you know, until they start to get good and then they'll bring in X. Mm -hmm. In fact, they were talking about fans sort of connected dots and they thought that one of their minor league managers uh, who's moved up in the, uh, you know, moved up in the minors was being groomed to be the next manager. And that's obviously not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better if you can have a manager grow with the team. So 
I don't get any, uh, you know, I don't get any real sense that they were close to moving on from him. Not at all. Interesting. So we've talked about Rutschman a little bit here, but what are your early impressions? Has he been about what you expected? Has it been the defense and the pitch calling that just the way he calls a game is kind of advanced for even what you expected uh, when he got called up? Like, is the hitting? Because, I mean, he's hitting. I think he's got like a uh, 115 WRC plus at this point. Like, what about Rutschman has jumped out to you? What have you been surprised by? And, um, yeah, what, what what do you think about Adley such, uh, thus far? What... What's impressed me is that the balls that got away from Pedro Severino, who was the catcher the last Mm -hmm. few years, all the wild pitches, um, they disappear. You don't see very many. You don't see very many balls get by Rutschman. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the thing that's most uh, most uh, you know that stood out most to me. You know, his offense is a work in progress, and that's you know. And that's going to take a while. It's going to take a while most times for, you know, good minor league hitters to hit in the major leagues. But the fact that he's made such a, a smooth adjustment to mm. uh, the ma- you know, to the majors uh, defensively has been, uh, you know, ha- ha- has been the most impressive thing to me. What do you, what do you think most Orioles fans are going to love most about him going forward? Is it his hitting? Is it his defense? Like what, what about him kind of like, and this is obviously part of his, it's going to be part of his career. It's just the Matt Weeders comparisons. Um, what, as someone who's watched them both, what are some, some subtle differences there? And do you think he seems like someone who could be a bigger, bigger player? Because I think now Weeders is underrated by a lot of folks. I think at this point, I think people undervalue what he contributed and just how good of a player he was for a really long time. Um, with those comparisons pop up and when fans start forecasting what he can be as a player, where do you, where do you fall on that? Well, I was always a Weeders booster, and I thought that mm-hmm. he was treated unfairly a lot of times for fans because they, you know, he was hyped going in, and he was a very good player. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't an outstanding catcher, but mm-hmm. I think he doesn't get enough credit for how he nursed the 2012 pitching staff, which was basically a bunch of, you know, underachieving mm-hmm. pitchers. To a you know to a wild card, and then you know into the divisional series. So I think Matt Weeders was you know was a very very good catcher. Uh, I think Rutschman should be better. I think he's better defensively. He, he's a better athlete. You know he's fat. You know he's faster. He's more agile than Matt was. And you know he gets to and again he gets to those balls that um, that are off the plate. And he, he looks like a good pitch framer. Uh, offensively, you know, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk again in a year or two and see how, uh, see how far, uh, Adley's come. Um, who's next, who's next in the docket? Who's the next prospect that Orioles fans are going to be excited about getting called up? Well, they're, they, they would have been excited about Grayson Rodriguez, but he mm-hmm. has a lat injury and may not pitch again this season. DL Hall, who was the number one draft pick in 2017 has also been, uh, hampered by injuries. He should be coming up soon. Kyle Stowers, uh, an outfielder who uh, got a few games in in, in June, uh, should be coming up. And then next year they have uh, you know two really good young infielders. I think uh, Gunnar Henderson and, and Jordan Westberg. Uh, you know, 
Westberg could play second. He could play third. Henderson could play short. He could play third. The Orioles are doing an interesting thing with them in the minor leagues is exposing them to, to different positions. Westberg playing second, short, short, and third, and Henderson playing short and third. So uh, I think for right now, those would be the, uh, you know, those four would be the, the top prospects who uh, fans will see next, or I guess five, I guess that's, that's five. There you go. Um, were you surprised with the Jackson Holiday pick? Yeah, uh, I was. But again, Michael Elias doesn't uh, doesn't leave a lot of breadcrumbs around. Mm. Uh, I thought, you know, you know, it's funny. The betting sites uh, picked had uh, Brooks Lee mm-hmm. as the uh, as the Cal Poly kid guy who was going to be picked first, and then Drew Jones second, and then they ended up picking Holiday. I would. You know, I, I was kind of thinking that they were going to pick, uh, you know, pick Drew Jones. A lot of people thought that uh, Tamar uh, Johnson and, and Holiday was always there, but nobody, uh, you know, nobody really thought that that was uh, going to be the case. So that's mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly an interesting pick. What are you most fascinated by him? Where do you think he falls in this future? Like when you look at, because this is another part of it, it's just like when you're doing this rebuild and you're thinking about who's in the minors and who's coming up and who we already have in there, like is there a potential block there? Because, I mean, the Braves ran into that with Drew Waters where there was eventually it was just like there's nowhere for you to go and we have to move on when Michael Harris pops the way he does and just they're in a win-now situation. It's just we got to move on because there's just you're kind of blocked. Is there... Um, is that coming up for any position grouping uh, in the not-too-distant future? Well, they have a lot of infielders. They have a lot of outfielders. But I think what they're going to do is, you know, try and package some of the surplus to try and get some additional starting pitching. Mm. Uh, because they haven't drafted pitching high other than Rodriguez and Hall. They don't have a lot of great, uh, you know, p- uh, pitching prospects. So I think that's what they'll uh, – that's what they'll do. They'll be very aggressive in, in trying to trade for, for pitching. Is there a name right now? Is there someone who makes the most sense to you? Uh, and do you? And when you say trade for pitching, do you think that's a winner thing? They just they address that this off season, or do you think this is a deadline thing? I think it's more of a. I think it's it's more of a winner thing. Uh, but you know, I, I'm going to be really intrigued how Elias looks at the deadline. Uh, you know, in the next week. And what he, uh, you know, and, ha- and how he handles it, because he is a, a very unpredictable uh, general manager. And, you know, I think he's going to be a lot like the Orioles will be a lot like Tampa Bay, where they're very transactional, where they're very aggressive in, in moving players. And I think that's how he's going to be going forward. What do fans want, though? What are your readers? Uh, what do they want to do? At the um, well, the, they, they, of course, want they, of course, want the Orioles to, you know, Stay together. Keep mm-hmm. the team, keep the team together. You know, let you know. Let's see what let's see what happens. I mean, let's let's see what happens. Really, in the next, you know, they got three more games against Tampa Bay, and then they got three games against Cincinnati, which you know you'd think that they'd be able to to win a few of them, but you never know. And you know, let, let's see where they are. I was checking what Baseball Reference a little while ago, and they were almost a sixteen percent chance to. To make the playoffs, Fangraphs has them much lower, mm. uh, but that's still you know a lot higher than anybody would have thought a month ago. So you you know you don't get many chances at this thing. Now, of course, they think that they'll have you know they're they're, they're building a 
a really good team and they'll have multiple chances, but uh, you never know. So, you know, and fans have patiently waited or not so patiently waited for the last five years. So they want, you know, they want them to, uh, you know, they, they want them to stay together. And if they can get something, uh, go ahead. And they'd like them to keep Trey Mancini, which I don't think is going to happen, but I'd love to see them keep Trey. But uh, we'll, we'll find out next week. It's interesting. So you think Mancini, there's a more than 50% chance that he is not an Oriole after the trade deadline. Yeah. And I, you know, I've always been in favor of them extending them because I think he, he gives them lots of, uh, you know, I think he, he's the adult in the clubhouse. I think with a young team, you need uh, a mentor, you need guys who have been through difficulty and he's obviously been through difficulties personally and professionally. And I'd like to have him, you know, I think, uh, I, I would certainly like to see him stay around, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's interesting because I think, I wonder, and I would like to get your perspective on this, because for guys like that where I wonder if they were not at 500 at this point in time, I wonder if Mancini's off the board where he's like, we have to keep him, we are, clearly are struggling, that sort of thing, and we have to keep fans happy and keep the faith. So Mancini's here. So you don't think so. You think it doesn't no. matter. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Elias looks at the uh, looks at what the fans, you know, what the fans want or what they mm. think, because uh, the fans didn't want that. The fans would have wanted them to go more into the free agents mm-hmm. over the last uh, the last few years, which which they didn't. So I think man, I think uh, Elias does what I what what he thinks is best. Hmm. And I mean, I don't know. Last, we got to get going. You know, you said 20 minutes and yeah. we're right. So I have to get to the ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can we like do one more question? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Absolutely. Uh, we'll end on this. Um, the rest of the way, do you think they are a 500 team by the end point of this season? Where do you, where do you think the Orioles end up record? Well, well, seeing as how my prediction never was that they were going to be, a 500 team. I mean, why, you know, why not? I mean, you're a big Braves fan. Yeah. Point in the season last year, the Braves were sort of where they were, but the American league East is a lot um, more difficult than the national, than the national league East is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, um, I think it's a very, uh, very difficult time, but you know, they've played well, they've played well now for most of the season. You know, why not? I mean, I certainly think that they're, um, on the same level as maybe Minnesota and Cleveland and Seattle and the Red Sox, but they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to beat out at least one of those teams to make it to, uh, you know, to the wild card. There's so many teams that are sort of grouped together now uh, that are, are, and the Chicago White Sox are are still in that Mm. uh, mix as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to, uh, for them to get in, but if they've played well, you know, this, this long, well, maybe they can uh, keep it up another two months plus. There you go. Rich, thank you so much for making the time today. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, anything you would like to plug as we wrap up here today on a Tuesday? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Ba- BaltimoreBaseball.com. Uh, we cover, you know, the Orioles every day, the minor leagues, and we have the seven time Maryland sports writer of the year. Now, Peter Schmuck, uh, with uh you know with his uh his analysis as well so 
uh, I hope people will take the time to, to read us. Absolutely. Uh, Rich, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to check back in again soon. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, y'all, that'll do it for part one here on a Wednesday, July 27th, 2022 edition here on the Chase the Most Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, part two coming up with Fangraphs, on Taylor, right for this. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.